0: from a job, and I wanted to try and just keep motivated. It's hard when you lose your job, right? You don't know what you're gonna do when you get up in the morning, like. And so I decided I was gonna try and find something to do and try yoga, which was this big uh, studio in London. Um, And so every morning I would trail down to try yoga and take whatever class they had on offer. I ended up doing it, you know, two hours a week when I went back to work, then four hours, then every day again, Um, and it kind of picked up from there.
1: Episode 39 and the watchword this week is movement, meditation, and breathing. I spoke to Antiguan-based yoga teacher Clemmie London about how she transitioned from a traditional career to teaching yoga. Clemmy worked in office-based jobs for about 10 years but gradually came to the realisation that it wasn't for her. She became desperate to do something else and having discovered yoga, she found the courage to leap from her safe career to running her own business teaching yoga, which she has subsequently taken all over the world. The reason for doing this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to explore a big career change and understand how Clemmie made it happen. And secondly, to talk about yoga and the huge benefits it can bring both physically and mentally. Clemmie has also agreed to give listeners of the podcast a special price on an introductory yoga chat and online private yoga session. You can find out about yoga and get started with Clemmie for £40 instead of the usual price of £60. You can find out more at her website, clemmy.london or on Instagram at clemmy.london. You can also find the Watchword podcast on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it makes all the difference. I'm Mark Thompson. This is the Watchword Podcast, and the watchword this week is movement, meditation, and breathing. Clement, you're, you're in Antigua. How, how has that come about?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, being in Antigua started a very long time ago. Um, my parents first washed up here in the 90s, um, and it's been a, a long love affair with the island. And now I live here. I've been back here for just over a year. Um, it's very hot and very beautiful right now.
1: So, I mean, I think a lot of people who'd be listening might be immediately a little bit jealous. But for people who don't know where Antigua is in the world, like how, how would you uh, describe its location?
0: So it's in the Caribbean. If you look at the curve of the Caribbean islands, um, it's about halfway down. It's a medium sized island or about 108 miles square. So there's just enough to explore, but not too little to get bored
1: <laughs> nice nice and so you you moved back to Antigua having having been in the UK prior to that is that yeah
0: absolutely so I was um, I spent a lot of my childhood in the UK I went to school in the UK I did university and then I did about 10 years of my career in the UK um, before moving back here just now
1: and, and Antigua has changed presumably in the in the time since since you were originally there as a, as a child
0: Oh, my gosh, so much. Um, I think it, it might not sound that flattering to say it, but I remember being here as a child, being very bored, <laughs> which is probably a good thing as a child. Right. They say that now that you should let your child be bored um, a lot of long, hot summers on empty beaches um, there wasn't as much tourism as there is now. Now we have all sorts of activities, zip lining and boat tours and stingray swimming and all this really cool stuff that you can do. And of course, lots of yoga. Um, And of course, everything, there's a lot more infrastructure now. So you can even get Waitrose, other supermarkets are available, food (laughs) and other English treats in Antigua, which is great.
1: There's there's not actually a Waitrose though, surely?
0: No, but we have a Waitrose aisle in our supermarket, which is the best.
1: <laughs> wow. That's uh that's pr- very middle class.
0: I know, such globalization, huh?
1: <laughs> so I mean you touched on you touched on yoga there and that's that's the reason that we're we're doing a, a podcast it's something that we have a sort of mutual interest in from completely different backgrounds. Um and I guess to kick off you you, you kind of dedicated your your career to it now it's your profession. And it's it's something that I uh, I only tried it actually I think about not even a year ago. So I've been doing yoga less than a year, and
0: okay.
1: um, I as we talked before, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's an unbelievable uh, sort of well activity. Like it's so beneficial for the body, and it's um, and it's good for the mind as well. Although I, I haven't really delved that deep into that kind of thing, but certainly for the body. So. But from from your perspective, how how did your interest in your business in yoga come about?
0: So I had a very sort of typical gap year. You know, after school, you have that little gap before you go into university. And I went to India and took a couple of classes there and kind of thought, I'm I'm enjoying this you know but it's not really something that you wanted to carry on with when I went to university you'd have much more fun to do with drinking and going out and was not going to sit around doing yoga Um, and so I kind of came back to it a few years later Um, I'd been made redundant from a job and I wanted to try and just keep motivated it's hard when you lose your job right you don't know what you're going to do when you get up in the morning like and so I decided I was going to try and find something to do and try yoga which was this big uh, studio in London they were offering this pass that you could do yoga for 30 days for 30 pounds I think it was Um, and so every morning I would trail down to try yoga and take whatever class they had on offer Um, and eventually I found this super teacher we got on really well um, and yeah the, the rest is history I ended up doing it you know two hours a week when I went back to work then four hours then every day again um, and it kind of picked up from there. And I still practice with that teacher even today. We're about seven years later. <laughs> so that's quite nice.
1: Well, so 30 days for 30 pounds. That's un- yeah. unbelievable value.
0: What a bargain. I don't think they do it now.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and that was like when you, when it became uh, a hobby and you, as opposed to becoming a, a teacher, like how, because uh, did you have a traditional... Career, like we talked a little bit about about your your youth and growing up and so on, and it's obviously it sounds like quite a big transition because you you said that but prior to that you'd had a pretty traditional upbringing, you were on a fairly uh, conventional career path. Like, was it not was yeah. it not a big change? Like, how how did that come about?
0: um It was. um I was working my last of job job before I went to lo- Yoga Land. Um, was that I was working in sales for a startup. We'd kind of grown the startup in London. Um, I think there were probably about 10 people when I arrived and literally hundreds of us when we, when I left, but I was working on a sales team and it was a lot of hours and a lot of pressure. And I just started, I was just getting sick. I was just sick all of the time. I always had a cold. I always like, just always ill. And I just kind of had enough of it. Um, And I really enjoyed doing yoga and it was kind of a scary decision to think, you know, is this thing that I actually really love and that I really rely on as like my escape from my work? Do I really want that to become my job? You know, what if I start hating it? (laughs) What if I start worrying about it as much as I do with this job? Um, But luckily it didn't really go that way. I had a pretty sort of hectic six months where I was doing both. Um, So I would teach before work. Go to work and then teach after work. So I was doing kind of like 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day, um, and then suddenly I just made made the jump.
1: But that the build up, the you know the job, uh, you know working in sales, and I guess you'd, you'd had jobs prior to that. Like it was it, you know obviously it's a big decision to make, and um, it, it sounds like it coincided with you, with being made redundant. So maybe that was that helped the transition, but how How did you feel in the was there like a gradual build up of feelings about the world of work or or was it just fairly sudden in, in terms of the stress of the sales environment
0: so the redundancy had been about five years earlier oh, okay and then i would kind of kept yoga on the back burner. It was sort of my like coping mechanism in in corporate land um, and yeah you're right i'd done a lot of kind of uh, sort of mainstream jobs i'd worked in capital venture investment and startups and all sorts of stuff um but yeah I think there was always this sort of uh, I don't know I just always felt like the traditional route was not for me um I was kind of reflecting on this thinking about this podcast like I was thinking even back to when I was like 16 I remember going to the um RAF recruiting office at school being like the only girl in the lineup being like yep this is it like i definitely don't want to go work for the big four i want to be a fighter pilot more than i want to go and work in the city
1: <laughs> and then you work you said you worked at a uh, prison as well
0: yeah that was my second attempt at escaping the corporate world um so when i then went to university and everyone else was getting jobs in bars and um going to be like cover teachers in schools I decided I was going to go work in a prison um so I did that I worked in the the strongest category prison in Wakefield it's a all women's prison um and I went in there and taught sort of interview technique and uh future career advising and, and that kind of stuff um so that was amazing I really really enjoyed that work actually
1: yeah but you but I guess the the sort of the pressures of the, the normal world led you down a more traditional path like one, as time passed, passed on. Money,
0: money, funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does kind of tend to lead you that way, doesn't it? Particularly if you want to live in London. Um, suddenly you realise that vocational or um, things that you're, maybe your heart is into make life a little bit more difficult on the financial side.
1: So, so when you made you 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 made the decision you're gonna you know become become a yoga teacher set up a um well i guess I, I i it depends how you went about it like what were the first what were the first steps like obviously you said there were six months where you were doing it um concurrently like yeah. were you sort of renting space in a studio like how did you build your client base like how how did that process work
0: so I was quite lucky in that I got accepted into a really good teacher training which i think if ever anyone asks me what you know, what teacher training should I do? I always say, if you want to work in London, you should go for one that everybody um, sort of appreciates, one that everyone knows, because that's what opens the doors to getting in the studios. Because there are so many yoga teachers in London now. I mean, there must be thousands. It's mm. very hard to get a job in a studio. So as soon as I finished my training, all I wanted to do was work in studios to start, you know, building my own client base. Mm. So that's how I, I ended up with these sort of ridiculous morning hours and evening hours because they're all the classes that no one else wants. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll take the 5.15, no worries. <laughs> um, 8.30 on a Friday night, I'd love to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was always that girl. And um, I think actually it's, it, it kind of put me in good stead for the long run because um really you when you're running your own business you get used to doing crazy hours don't you anyway and um, so it was a good a good little baptism into that into that club
1: <laughs> well yeah the the beginning the beginning of starting a business you know having done it um myself and then uh, well and and arguably still in it i guess we, we both are to some extent in terms of the beginning stage but when you look back at it is you kind of it's you're kind of like surprised at the stuff That you did but then at the but there's no Ah. there's absolutely no questioning it at the time like you you will do everything that's necessary and then hindsight kind of provides you with the benefit of realizing that some of the stuff you did wasn't necessary at all um and uh uh, i mean i don't know about in your case but certainly in mine um yeah put a huge amount of effort into some stuff that that as it at, at the time seemed essential um, but then, with hindsight, you realise that it wasn't. But there's no real way of learning it. No one's going to tell you uh, how to do it. Um, so exactly,
0: and you never know when you might need that later, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's true. And the the sort of the resilience that you build up. You know, five fifteen yoga sessions are a no joke. And of in terms of you have to be, you have to be getting up pretty early, and um it's just discipline, really. So you had, but you had the vision at that point. You knew. You knew that it was worth it. Like what? where where did that come from?
0: I just, I think I just knew that I didn't want to go back to being in the office, working for someone else, making, and in sales, I was making good money, you know, but I was literally seeing it all go to someone else and it was killing me. Mm. Um, And I just thought, you know, I can, I can do this for myself. Like this, if I start my own business, that is sales.
1: Mm. Yep. I
0: mean, obviously you've got to be a good teacher too, but you know, to get the business through the door, that's sales and I can do that. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty strong drive. Yeah. So that's,
1: so that's the background. And um, we, we touched on, like, I, I wanted to do a a, a podcast about yoga um, for a lot, for a long time, just because if, if I'm kind of making a list of stuff that that interests me, which, you know, kind of has to be, part of the factor for deciding what to do on a podcast otherwise otherwise I guess the next question is why why are you doing it um yeah. but yeah so I like I say started about a year ago and um I've had sort of back problems for I don't know eight years like two 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 injuries like one's like a, a moment in time uh like carrying someone and then the other w- was like a nerve impingement thing, um, mm-hmm. which, which came on uh, like doing lots of digging basically in the army. And uh, I sort of got them treated here and there and, and managed them and I've managed them, you know, for seven, eight years, et cetera, N- never had a huge problem. Like, I've been immobilized a couple of times in, in the gym um, where I literally couldn't move. That probably happened twice, I think, but the, the, the turning point for me was, has been doing yoga. And mm. so that's why I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I'm not an expert. I haven't looked into the history and hopefully, you know, we can cover some of that today, but it's in its simplest form for me, it, it alleviates pressure um, in the spine and around the body that builds up just sort of doing normal daily activity for, for people and so f- for me it's based, it's enabled me to manage two injuries that have caused me quite a lot of um hassle over, over the years and the difference has been huge so so that's that's why i'm super interested in it also uh it's been i mean how many how many years have people been doing yoga in terms of it's it's
0: thousands thousands and thousands and you know what everyone thinks it comes from india but it doesn't it comes from africa if you go really, really, really far back. But I mean, we don't have time to do the whole history today. You know that, Mark, right? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but yeah.
1: well, we, I mean, we could always make like a three hour, three or four hour <laughs> podcast marathon. Um, yeah,
0: we need a drone and we'll go to Africa and we'll get David involved. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I guess, I guess, bearing that in mind, what what would you where would you start in terms of if we were to summarize like the different types of yoga the history of it etc
0: so i like to think of yoga as sort of a family tree and the person that i put at the top is krishnamacharya so he is at about the end of the well 1888 is the year that he was born and he actually lived almost no just 101 years I guess so uh, 1989 he he passed on Um, and he's who kind of uh, Krishnamacharya founded modern yoga as we think of it today so movement and breath work and meditation and kind of the the sort of rules around it that we follow as yogis sort of non-harming non-violence um you know aiming for a higher power loving one another that sort of thing so Krishnamacharya was given money by the king of Mysore to set up this sort of yoga school. And the king used this school to train his soldiers. That's really where it came from. So essentially these young men, Krishnamacharya would give them all these like crazy exercises and gymnastic movements to do so that afterwards they would sit down, meditate and listen to their classes. Wow. one kind of the history, that's where, where modern yoga comes from
1: so um, so it's you kind of mentioned three areas there movement breathing and meditation is is that is that how you would how you would sort of categorize or break down yoga is, is it as simple as that
0: i mean it's there are eight limbs um that kind of uh, stretch out from yoga we call it ashtanga eight eight legged yoga and um, so there's all kind of diversities into that but yes for the main part we would say um breath movement and um meditation would be the the kind of main parts of study particularly for people in the west today
1: how many different types like how many different systems are there in the in the western world like do to teach yeah. in different places in the uk teach different stuff like how how does it work
0: so then if we kind of follow the family tree down a layer so krishnamacharya had all these students right so we have um desi kachar who went straight into Mysore city center and taught vini yoga, which is sort of yoga as exercise. And that really stayed in India, but it was less spiritual. We have Iyengar who um, headed over, and he did a lot of work in the West, but he also did a lot of work in India. And that's Iyengar yoga as we know it today. It's based on precision and props. You see them, they use chairs and blocks and straps and everything's about alignment. And then we have Patabi Joyce, who's probably the most Famous of Krishnamacharya students. He gave us um, Ashtanga Yoga, Vinyasa Yoga, um, which is also very popular in the West. A lot of Western students um, traveled to Mysore to study with him. And then we have um, Indra Devi, who was probably the most famous female student that Krishnamacharya had. She went to the States and she brought in this whole yoga, organic food, healthy lifestyle That kind of the basis of that whole California scene, to be honest, that's that all comes from her. And then if you go into these um, four main students, then you go into all the different types of yoga we see today. So um, your jiva mukti, your kundalini, your power yoga, Bikram, yin yoga. So those are kind of the, the grandchildren of Krishnamacharya, if you will. Does that sort of make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. And it kind of um, it rings true with my sort of limited experience. Like, um, you know, one that you one that you mentioned there at the end, which um, I I mean, I've had nothing. I I haven't done it, but I've just heard about it is is Bikram. And uh, that's there was something on wasn't there something on Netflix about that recently. But but also I know that that's that's essentially hot yoga. Is that right? So how, how would you how would you describe that? That's for the that's for the pretty hardcore, isn't it?
0: So a lot of these styles, you, c- you can do hot. So power yoga builds heat in the body through the breath, as does Ashtanga. We breathe Ujjayi breath. So we breathe through our nose rather than our mouth. And if you've ever tried to go on a run and breathe through your nose, you'll know that you get very hot very quickly. <laughs> um, whereas Bikram turns up the heat in the room. Um, so it's very sweaty. The difference with Bikram than other hot yoga is that he has essentially patented the asanas, the the postures, um, appearing in a certain order, which causes a lot of contention in the yoga world because it's just it's body shapes. Um, so how can you patent that? <laughs> Um it's it's a little bit of a contentious issue he's very keen on taking people to court about it and um, and yes there's a lot of stuff on the internet to read about Pekram for sure
1: yeah I mean could you not get around it by just doing like doing doing his sequence but then just asking everyone to sort of tuck their thumbs behind their hands at this they go now now it's different
0: well, possibly. I mean, there are lots of studios that teach hot yoga. You'll see it branded as hot yoga rather than Bikram yoga. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's because they teach it a slightly different sequence or the temperature is not exactly the same or whatever. But traditionally, Bikram has a script that they follow. When you go, you go to Vegas, I think it is, and they all stay in a hotel. They pay about $9,000 um, and then they learn his script. They learn his postures that's bikram teacher training
1: wow well so that's the kind of the 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 mainstream one that but the that you know got very popular in the in the states and um became quite famous or infamous um the other ones that i've that i've heard of um definitely vinyasa um so just talk through because i think i don't think i i know that vinyasa is more focused on movement
0: to place carefully i think is the the actual translation from Sanskrit is, yeah, it's like to place with purpose or to place carefully. And we combine um, movement and breath. That's what we're most interested in in vinyasa. So inhale, we lift the hands up. Exhale, we put the hands down to the floor. Very combined movement with breath. Um, But the sequence can kind of be anything that the teacher wants to do. So you get a lot of variety in vinyasa class and it's super creative. And I think that's really, really lovely. it's probably the most commonly taught class across the UK, I would say, Vinyasa.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's the one that um, that I've done or the sessions that I've I mean, my, my the yoga because obviously COVID has as um, kind of affected this massively, obviously, like yoga studios are unable to operate, especially hot yoga. I guess that would be. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, so during during COVID I sort of had to transition to doing like YouTube videos, which are actually still pretty good. But I think I don't think I would have got as into yoga and sort of understand the benefits as much if I had just learnt it from YouTube. Because I think I actually tried that before um and it just ran out of steam. Whereas if you go and see a teacher and you and you and you um have a professional there who was who was trained, um then it's it's just a different experience, like and obviously you could do you could do that over the internet now during COVID in, in the absence of face to face teaching. But I, that's one thing I would say as a kind of complete yoga beginner is that I definitely think it's worth getting like a series of lessons with a professional. Um, even, you know, maybe even if it's like eight. Like we, we, I went with my wife. We ended up enjoying it, so we just kept going for 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 a while. Um, but I just, I don't know if you agree. I think that that's, that that's for me, that was the best way to, to start it, to to have to be taught by a professional for the first however many sessions.
0: Yeah, I, I would say so in um, the fact that it's, some of the postures are quite complex, even though they look simple, there's a lot of complex stuff going on. Um, and if you're by yourself, it is hard to adjust yourself. I mean, even if you have a, a big mirror in front of you, it can still be tricky. And, um, so yes, I would say there's definitely benefit in going to um, a teacher in a studio, whether that's a group class or a one-to-one. The other huge benefit that we get from um, going to yoga class in person, and there's a lot of studies into this at the moment, is it's the empathy thing. If you go and you have back pain and someone shows you a posture on how to alleviate your back pain, um, the benefits for you mentally as well as physically are are incredible, right? Mm. Um, because you are firstly feeling seen, <laughs> inverted commas, like s- someone's understanding your pain and possibly they've experienced it too. Um, it, it can be a lot more effective. Obviously I'm not a doctor and you should see a doctor if, if you have pain in yoga, but mm. um, it can be a lot more effective than just going to a doctor for painkillers to yeah. have some empathy.
1: Yeah, um, I would agree. And I think that's a good caveat to put in. I know that some people, would would um some people have got injured and would get injured doing yoga so that's something to bear in mind like it's not necessarily a cure but but yeah just sort of talking i'm just talking from personal experience um uh so so yeah and i guess there's one one other like thought so that there's there's a guy who i'm hoping to have on the the podcast he's he's agreed but he's just a very busy man so we're kind of exchanging emails at the moment but he's a a physical therapist and he used to work in professional football um and so I, I kind of when i had these back problems that's how i originally got in touch with with him and he he, his theory is all about the spine and the the, the movement of it and the, particularly the way that we've obviously evolved to work walk on two feet um whereas our spine is kind of you know excuse the pun but like behind the curve to an extent in terms of us walking on two feet and sitting down all day like our spine is actually uh put under pressure as a result of that and so his his suggestion was um that when you do the yoga postures he suggested that i focus more on the um uh flexion movements is that right as opposed to extension
0: mm-hmm. yeah sure
1: i.e bending I- by bending forward as opposed to bending back uh and i do i do that because i do find that so this is another thing that people might want to bear in mind I, i find that if you bend your spine uh backwards slightly then and some of those positions will um you know you have to do that position sometimes in in yoga it's just something to bear in mind i basically don't commit to those positions properly whereas i do to the other ones where you're bending the spine forward does that make sense
0: yeah, I think uh, we, particularly as we get older, we have to be very aware of the compression of the discs. And yeah. of course, when you're back bending, that's a lot more apparent than when you're forward folding. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I I genuinely believe, although we see in, in the Western world in particular, that yoga is targeted at women and a lot of skinny white women at that, yeah. um, actually the people that seem to get the most benefit from yoga are men mm. because although you might be really strong in your arms or your legs or you might have these like really great superficial abs up the front you don't actually have a lot of um tra which is your transverse abdominus it's the um sort of imagine like a corset of muscle that wraps the sides of your body your entire core as it were and not a lot of men know how to really engage that and that's what takes the pressure out of your back Mm. right that's what really supports your back so that when you're doing heavy lifting digging holes in the army and you have that sort of extra support to the spine and to the discs yeah Um, and so I think that's really where you get a lot of benefit
1: Um, yeah definitely and I also just think yoga you know it's it's not going to, in terms of the traditional male viewpoint on it, it's not going to be, it's not something that, um, that most men are going to say, yeah, I definitely want to go and do yoga with the lads. On a yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you
1: know, so, um, but then I think, I think that's changing. I think, um, as, as with lots of these things, I think over time, if it, when it provides so much of a benefit, um, then, then, you know, people will, will learn. And I think, particularly in the States, maybe I think things, and obviously you mentioned before in California, things are, um, and, and maybe in London, you know, there's some, there's some big sort of national startups that have, that have sprouted doing yoga. Like there was um, one that did it in sort of, well, that was hot yoga in like these inflatable pods. Um, but, pod, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's-, that's one example, but I get, I get, I don't know what they're doing now during COVID. I can't imagine that's um, going well
0: they're doing you I think you can rent individual pods from them so you can book the studio but you have it to yourself and then they switch on the screen and you have your instructor through the screen I think that's what they're doing or similar yeah. um, also I, I wonder if you've heard of Broga so that's a that's come across from the states that is yoga targeted at men uh-huh. um, I saw it a lot a couple of years ago I've, I've been out of the UK now for a fair bit so I'm not really sure um, how that's taking off but they were targeting a lot of sort of crossfit gyms and weightlifting gyms um because it's such a good complement, particularly if you're doing like um olympic lifting for example you really need the flexibility in the shoulders as well as the strength yeah so they were really targeting down that route for men which i thought was super interesting
1: yeah and our, our last our last guest on the on the podcast is um he's formerly worked at team sky and and uh, the RFU the Uh, the english rugby football union and uk sport for 10 years so and he has a phd in sports science and this kind of thing so his his um his pedigree with it with the the body and how to manage it is is pretty good and he he does two yoga sessions a week he says generally um in amongst all in amongst all his other training so i think you've got like the, the history of it that the thousands of years of history and the spiritual aspect and so on. But then it's, it's obviously now it's, in terms of professional sport, I think it's, it's just part of, part of normal, normal daily life. And, uh, and you can't help but think that that's going to continue to grow amongst the the population, perhaps as people, as people learn more. Um, so, and but back to the, back to the different types. So, Uh, The Mm -hmm. other one that I'd heard of, and so I don't know if you wanted to talk about the the different ones that that I haven't heard of. There are a few of those, but yin is one. So, and that, if I remember correctly, that's the one where you kind of hold the position for a lot longer and sit still.
0: Yes. So yin um, poses are held for about, oh gosh, anywhere between sort of two and six minutes. Um, It's, typically a lot slower and um, it's a lot more relaxing. We practice it in a cool space rather than a hot space. I, I struggle to find a cool space here in Antigua. I'll tell you that, but um, yes, in a cool space. Um, in the UK, you can actually take class with the founder of um, Yin Yoga, Paul Grilly and Sarah Powers. They often come over to the UK and, and teach class there. And wow. um, we use a lot of props. Um, It's quite relaxing. I often fall asleep in a yin class (laughs) Um, and it works on the fascia. So the kind of cling filmy substance that um, attaches our, well, sort of wraps our muscles to our bones and it works on our ligaments. So um, essentially by stressing these tissues, um, we make them stronger. We get um, greater flexibility there and yeah it's just it's a really kind of healthy way to move the body particularly if you do a lot of hot yoga ashtanga yoga power yoga where you're really focused on your muscles um so yeah it's a good it's sort of the yin to the yang right the the cool to the hot as it were
1: okay well there you go and and the i would say yeah the positions in in that one it, it sounds challenging that you're going to have to hold because people traditionally think of a yoga position as difficult to hold or uncomfortable. But with with yin yoga, the positions are generally quite uh, they're, they're quite comfortable to begin with. So then you just relax into it and you can just feel it's just a weird sensation over time. As the minutes pass, you can feel your body releasing tension and you just sort of, you're just sort of sinking further into this position which um which just looks fairly normal a lot of the time you might just be sat on the floors slumped forward and you would think that to look at you think well that's probably not going to be good for you or comfortable um but it's actually it's actually both so really really interesting and not something I would have considered doing either like the movement aspect was what appealed to me um rather than sitting still as just as a general concept so but yeah I think it's really good
0: uh uh, my students that um, it, it kind of depends on what sort of mind you have. Right. If you for some people doing the movements really quickly and doing like hot power, fiery yoga that can get your mind running for some people. And they're thinking, oh, my gosh, like, what is this? And all the thoughts start, start coming. Um, and for some people, it's the staying still. And that makes their head spin and they're thinking, when can I get out of this? When will it stop? You know, (laughs) so you have to find the right type of yoga for you and the right teacher as well, I think is really important.
1: Yeah. So... Looking at the other types, then, uh, how would you would you expand on any on those further, or do you, do you think we've kind of adequately discussed the different styles?
0: The only other one that we really see a lot of in the UK is um, Ashtanga yoga. You've probably seen that advertised at at your studio, so that's re- uh, really kind of. Um, kind of going back to the historical roots it's a really kind of set sequence ashtanga and I like it because it works the whole body every class we always follow the same sequence we always follow the same count and um, that came from the Patabi Joyce kind of lineage from Krishnamacharya so it's still quite traditional um, and often you'll even fang- find that it's being taught in Sanskrit so you kind of learn it as you go along um but I like that it's it's whole body movement and by the end of the class you will be exhausted um but you'll feel really really good so I guess that's that's my other little favorite
1: one (laughs) if we think about the the kind of modern era and you know the role of of social media and and video as a as a medium and how easy it is to to set up a youtube channel and and uh and start broadcasting like how I, I guess that's made it more available but uh, what are your sort of reflections on that as someone who's who's sort of dedicated their profession to it?
0: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one because on one hand, obviously, I love the idea of yoga being opened up to to everyone. I like the idea that it's accessible. Um, I like the idea that people could get started. You know, even my my granny in her living room at home can get on her iPad knock into YouTube and, and find something for her, you know, her sore wrists or whatever. Mm. Um, but I think if it's something that you're going to practice regularly, I say to my students, be discerning, (laughs) be discerning about who you follow. Um, and you know, maybe have a little peep on their website and make sure that they are actually a teacher and that they do have teacher training and insurance because at the end of the day, um, you know, you're still put essentially putting your physical wellness in someone else's hands. Mm. That being said, if you're doing a little bit of living room yoga once a week, it's you know, it it is quite hard to to injure yourself. Um, but you have to be discerning, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And and how are you how are you approaching that? There's kind of the the technology aspect from from your end, like do you have uh, you 've got a youtube channel have you haven 't you and like, have you got a website like how how do you manage that content
0: yeah so um if you i I do online classes live and we do those either as a group or I have one to one clients that i I practice live with some of my students in London and also some of my students here that um prefer to be in their own homes and isolate at the moment mm. um So we practice one-to-one and with those students, I always have a quick email before just to make sure they've either been to class with me, you know, check out injuries and and anything else that they're working with. Um, So I would never just kind of open up a a live stream and let anyone jump in because I, for my personal, you know, um, peace of mind, I want to make sure that you know what you're doing. Um, And then I have now a YouTube channel, company in the States very kindly helped me get that up and running Um, and that's got some super basic beginner yoga on there. Um, I was very in two minds about doing the YouTube channel because I don't really like to just post a video and leave it but um, it's gentle um, and and of course my emails are always open if people have questions.
1: When you look to the, the future, you know, obviously you're, you're on an island in the Caribbean, which I'm sure everyone feels very, um, they feel a lot of sympathy for you. Um, (laughs) but it, it, what's, what's your aspiration? I guess like, you know, you're, you're on a, you're, it's a small place, Antigua. Like, how do you, do you, are you happy with the way, with the way it is now? Or do you want to grow it? Like what, where do you, where do you see it going?
0: I'd love to see more, um, diversity in tourism here. I'd love to see more eco-tourism. It is starting to pick up, and people are thinking about that a lot more. Um, But I'd like to see us take, you know, us taking uh, a bigger interest in our rainforest, for example, in our deserted beaches, um, and really taking care of those and maybe doing some retreats or something around that, bringing people out here to practice in those really beautiful spaces. and I'd like to work with some ethical kind of brands to do that, that would be really cool. And um, perhaps I will build out my YouTube channel and we'll see where that goes. That's, yeah, that's my biggest contact to the outside world right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I did a, a sort of a tour of, of um, some countries in Asia the year before last, and I taught yoga as, as I sort of went. So maybe I would do something like that again,
1: if the opportunity arose. Wow, that sounds like uh, awesome to go. You went on a tour of Asia teaching yoga.
0: Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, We had a super good time. Went to Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia um, a little bit more off the beaten track and then did France, Spain, Portugal and then back again through all the countries. So it was, yeah, it was quite a year.
1: How did you you plan that in terms of Cause I guess you're, you're sustaining yourself through teaching yoga, like right? That's how you're earning money to fund the traveling. Is that, is that right?
0: Um, well, sort of for the most part, I mean, often when you teach you get given sort of complimentary stay at, at a hotel or, or whatever it, yeah. it really depends on each situation. Um, but yes, when the going gets tough bunk beds, <laughs> <laughs> um, just look for the cheapest hostel in the area. <laughs>
1: What a yeah! What a great uh, way to spend um, to spend some time though. I bet that was I bet that was pretty special.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing, and it was a kind of a good precursor to arriving out in Antigua. I kind of yeah, got used to living with very little and power cuts and not having electricity all the time and not having water all the time. So um,
1: yeah, well, that's like because when the power when the power goes out and there's no water, then you just, I guess you just meditate until it all comes back on.
0: <laughs> sure. That's what yoga teachers do. <laughs> uh,
1: that's great, Clemmy. Thank you very much. So if people wanted to find out more about you or if they were interested perhaps in getting some tuition, like what's the best way for them to, to do that?
0: Um, so you can either reach me through my website, which is www.clemmie.com. C L E M M I E dot London. It's in the city. Yeah. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at Clemmy dot London.
1: Okay, cool. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, keen to spread the word about yoga just because I'm a beneficiary of it myself. And uh, so thanks. Thanks for educating me.
0: Keep practicing, Mark. Keep practicing.
1: Yeah, I will do. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Clemmy.
0: Goodbye.